0: From the Hutterberg Catechism, we read together, Lord's Day 39. What does God require in the fifth commandment? That I show honor, love, and faithfulness to my father and mother and to all those in authority over me. Submit myself with due obedience to their good instruction and discipline, and also have patience with their weaknesses and shortcomings, since it is God's will to govern us by their hand. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, This afternoon we deal with the fifth commandment. In it the Lord commands us, honour your father and mother, that your days may be long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. This command teaches us to obey those whom God has put in authority over us. That starts in family life. Families are the building blocks of any successful society. God commands children to honour and obey their parents. By extension, this command deals with all sorts of other relationships where God gives authority and commands honor and submission. They include relationships between teachers and students, bosses and employees, elders and members of the flock, the government and its citizens. In the last few years, the relationship between governments and citizens has come under a lot of discussion. Various laws made by our secular governments and the health restrictions imposed during COVID-19 have raised questions. Where does the government's authority come from? What are we to do in the face of perceived government overreach? Must we obey the government in all things, even if we might consider it misguided or wrong? Is there ever a time when we, may, when we must obey God rather than man? COVID-19 and the restrictions relating to it have caused much controversy in our churches. Even though we're no longer under public health restrictions at this time, And the underlying issues continue to cause a certain amount of division among us. And so it's appropriate for us to examine these issues from a biblical perspective. This afternoon we're going to deal specifically with what Peter teaches us about these things in 1 Peter 2. While the sermon may not answer all the questions we have, it's my prayer that the Lord will use it to help us re-examine what He requires of us. I preach to you God's word under the following theme. The Lord commands us to submit to the governing authorities. We'll consider the requirement to submit, what submission looks like, and the blessings of submission. When the Lord gave Israel the Ten Commandments, he did so in a specific context. That context is clear from the preamble of the law. The Lord says... I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. God redeemed his people. He set them free from their harsh taskmasters. Why was Israel to serve the Lord and to obey his commands? Because he was their covenant God who loved them and cared for them, a God who provided them with their life and well-being. When our catechism provides us with instruction on the Ten Commandments, it does so from a specific perspective. It deals with the commandments in the third section of the catechism, the section dealing with our thankfulness. It's because God has redeemed us by Christ's blood and renewed us by his Spirit, that we're called to do. Good works. It's by our obedience to God's commands that we show forth our thankfulness for the wondrous salvation that the Lord has granted us. Peter writes his instructions about how we are to be subject to the governing authorities from a similar perspective. In 1 Peter 1, he shows how we were ransomed from the futile ways inherited by our fathers with the precious blood of Christ. In 1 Peter 2, verse 9, Peter draws out the consequences of Christ's redeeming work by showing how in Christ we have a new identity. He writes, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of His own possession. In Christ, God has made us His very own people, chosen and precious in His sight we set apart from the Gentiles, from all those who do not know Christ and do not submit to him. So how should we now live as God's people in a pagan society? Among people who do not know God or refuse to recognize his claim on their lives? In answering this question, Peter reminds us of some fundamental truths. In 1 Peter 2 verse 11, he reminds us that we are sojourners and exiles on this earth. Canada is not our ultimate homeland. Philippians 3.21 says that our citizenship is in heaven. We're subjects of the great King, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And nevertheless, we live on this earth in a broken and sinful world. By nature, we are fallen creatures. Evil desires regularly arise in our hearts. And so Peter exhorts us to abstain from the sinful passions of our flesh. We are to live holy, God-pleasing lives to the honor of our God. But that's not the only reason. Peter urges us, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good works and glorify God on the day of visitation. We are to live beautiful lives, which testify of God's grace as a witness to our unbelieving neighbors. It's in this context of being a redeemed and renewed people. that Peter writes to us about submission to the governing authorities, he writes, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and praise those who do good. What does it mean to be subject to the governing authorities? Belgian Confession, Article 36, summarizes the Bible's teaching well. There we confess that everyone ought to be subject to the civil officers, pay taxes, hold them in honor and respect, and obey them in all things which do not disagree with the word of God. We have to pray for them, that God may direct them in all their ways, and that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Now showing honor honor. And being obedient to the governing authorities can at times be really difficult. It can be difficult because of the way in which they conduct themselves. There are times when government officials are self-seeking instead of serving the common good. There are times when they appear hypocritical, requiring things of their citizens which they themselves do not do. There are times when they make laws that we disagree with, and we all know how difficult it is to submit something that appears unjust. So why are we to submit to the governing authorities? Peter gives us the answer. He tells us we are to do so for the Lord's sake. He says, be subject for the Lord's sake. To every human institution. What does that mean? The point that Peter is making is that the Lord is the ultimate authority. Right now, Jesus Christ is seated on the throne at the Father's right hand. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. He is Lord of lords and King of kings to submit to the governing authorities, because he says so. Peter makes this clear in our reading from 1 Peter 2:16. He says, "Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. We are free people. What does that mean? What are we free from? Well, Christ has redeemed us from the dominion of sin and Satan. And what are we free for? For living as servants of God. In Christ and by the power of his spirit, we're enabled to live our lives to the glory of God. What our text shows, beloved, is that our ultimate allegiance must be to God. He is the living God of all the earth, our creator, the sustainer of our lives. He's king and ruler over all. In Christ, he has redeemed us and made us his own precious people. We owe him everything. This God, who is ruler over all, commands us to submit to the governing authorities You see, we don't owe emperors and governors anything because of them. Their intrinsic merit or worth is not why we submit to them. It's not because they are so respectable or because they govern so well that we are obedient. We submit. Because we're servants of a higher king. Because he commands us to do so. Why has God given authority to governing officials? Again, the Belgian Confession offers a beautiful summary of the teaching of God's word. It says, We believe that because of the depravity of mankind, our gracious God has ordained kings, princes, and civil officers. He wants the world to be governed by laws and statutes in order that the lawlessness of men may be restrained and that everything may be conducted among them in good order. For that purpose, he has placed the sword in the hand of the government to punish wrongdoers and protect those who do what is good. God has established the governing authorities for our good. He's given them responsibility over civil society. The government is charged with making and enforcing laws to restrain the wickedness of mankind, to allow civil society to flourish. We don't always appreciate the blessings of living in a country where, for the most part, the rule of law is upheld many places in this world where the government is not able to make or to enforce laws effectively. And if there's no rule of law, chaos and anarchy rule. I've experienced this personally in Papua New Guinea. Simply not a safe place to live. You need to be careful where you go and what you do. For there's always people who are targeting you. Pickpockets will try to steal your valuables. If you're driving at night, you're at risk of being carjacked. Grocery stores there are patrolled by armed guards with vicious dogs. Our missionaries in Papua New Guinea need to live in secure compounds with high barbed wire fences, with electric gates, and security guards patrolling the premises. Even in our Western societies, we see how the rule of law can break down. You remember what happened when a hurricane hit New Orleans, and much of the downtown was evacuated due to flooding? Stores were looted. People were assaulted. Women were raped in some of the communal shelters. Similarly, in recent years, police brutality against black men have led to violent protests in America. While police brutality is obviously wrong, so was the response. It involved burning buildings, looting, vandalism. Ultimately, the cost rose into the billions of dollars. It shows why God has ordained governments, police, and courts. It is to restrain the wickedness of the human heart. So, our society will be a livable place. This applies not just to other people, beloved, it also applies to us. The Lord our God knows the human heart, He knows that within each of us there is a little rebel, it's part of our fallen nature. Within every person, there is a desire to be king. I want to be in control of my own life. You can't tell me what to do. I'm in charge of my own affairs. We easily resent authority because we want to be independent, we want to make our own decisions in life. We see that reflected in different ways in our lives. We know that there are speed limits and that these limits have been set because speed is often a factor in serious car accidents, yet many of us struggle to drive the limit. We think we know better, that we're in full control of what we're driving, that the limits are often stupid and restrictive. While the government has put in place certain safety measures to prevent workplace accidents, we often don't like them. And we may disregard them because we feel that they're restrictive. They prevent us from working productively. What should be clear, beloved, is that it's not easy for us to show all honor, love, and faithfulness to our father and mother and to those in authority over us. It is hard to submit with due obedience to their rule over us. Submission is difficult. Yet in the fifth commandment, God requires this from us. He's the one who commands us to submit to the governing authorities, for it is his will to govern us by their hand. Brings us to our second point, and it will consider what submission looks like. There are times when governments make laws that we disagree with. There are situations where our government officials impose laws on us that they do not abide by themselves. In such situations, there is a temptation for us to place ourselves above the law by claiming Jesus Christ is our King, and therefore we can do whatever we please. Whenever governments make what we consider to be unfair laws or regulations, there's a real temptation for us to rebel. But, beloved, we are not revolutionaries. Historically, in the time of the Reformation, there were some Christians who rejected the authority of kings under whose dominion they lived. Thus, in Belgian Confession Article 36, the church has formally rejected the position of the Anabaptists, and other religious people who reject the authorities and civil officers, and who overturn the decency that God has established among men. During the COVID-19 health crisis, it was some churches in this tradition that led the charge in disobeying the public health orders. Some in Reformed churches have enthusiastically endorsed their actions. But their background and their history should cause us to pause, to reflect before wholeheartedly endorsing their actions. When Guillaume de Bray wrote the Belgian Confession, the churches were under terrible persecution by the Roman Catholic government. To protest against this cruel oppression and to prove that the adherents of the Reformed faith were no rebels, Debray wrote a letter to King Philip II. In it, he declared that the Reformed believers were ready to obey the government in all lawful things. But that they would offer their backs to stripes, their tongues to knives, their mouths to gags, their whole bodies to fire, rather than deny the truth expressed in this confession Following the example of the Apostles, they would gladly suffer persecution rather than deny God or disobey His commands. The Bible makes clear that we are to obey the authorities in all things that do not disagree with the Word of God. That was the central point that was in dispute in our churches during the COVID-19 health crisis. The public health orders restricted our ability to gather for worship. Some argued that in the fourth commandment God commands us to diligently attend the church of God, and that the government was illegitimately preventing us from doing so, and that therefore we should obey God rather than man. Others argued that the government had legitimate reasons for restricting public gatherings of people, but that they did so for the common good. To prevent the spread of a communicable disease. Given the emotions attached to this debate, I don't think a sermon on the fifth commandment will necessarily change anyone's views on that issue. But our reading from 1 Peter 2 provides us with some perspective to help us work through the issue of what it means to obey the government in all things that do not disagree with the word of God. 1 Peter 2:17 provides a roadmap for how we as church should deal with the difficult circumstances we faced in the past few years. There, Peter, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, commands us: honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. We are to honor all people around us. We honor people by respecting them and dealing kindly with them, even if we disagree with their perspectives or lifestyles. One of the struggles that arose during the COVID-19 health crisis is the lack of respect that that people on different sides of the issue showed to one another. It was a polarizing situation where many people were convinced that they were right and others were wrong. But so what? Does that give you the right to look down your nose at others and consider them to be stupid? Can't we show consideration to others who disagree with us? It applies even more within the church. Peter says, love the brotherhood. We are called to have a special affection for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Together we share in the riches of redemption in Jesus Christ. In Christ we're brothers and sisters of one another. If there's ever a situation where we're required to show forth patience and kindness and gentleness... Then it's in the church family. Beloved, in many ways we failed to love the brotherhood during the COVID-19 crisis. In Philippians 2, Paul calls us to complete his joy by being of the same mind. He says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Were we truly willing to subjugate our pride to consider the perspectives of others? Even if we were convinced that we were right, were we willing to look beyond our own interests and consider the interests of others? Loving others often requires a sacrifice on our part. But that kind of love was not always shown in our dealings together over the last few years. Peter continues with the command, Fear God, honor the emperor. Please note how Peter requires different things from us in our relationship with God and our relationship with the emperor. We are to fear God while honoring the governing authorities. What does it mean to fear God? To fear God means to show him the reverence due to his name. It means to submit ourselves wholly and completely to our creator, redeemer, and king. Honoring the emperor means showing the governing authorities respect, submitting to them as God's lawfully appointed representatives. In the time when Peter wrote his first letter, the emperor had supreme authority over much of the then known world. Governors had the authority and the power to punish people severely. It's striking to see what happened at Jesus' trial before Pontius Pilate. When Jesus did not respond to one of Pilate's questions, Pilate asked him, Do you refuse to speak to me? Don't you realize I have power either to free you or to crucify you? In effect, Pilate was asking, Don't you fear me? Jesus' response was, You would have no power over me if it were not given you from above. In effect, Jesus was saying, No, I do not fear you. I fear God, and I've come to do his will. Similarly, we need to draw a distinction between fearing God and honoring the emperor. In the early church, many Christians were faced with this dilemma. The emperor, Caesar Augustus, claimed to be a god. Officials in the Roman Empire required everyone to acknowledge Caesar as Lord. It's something Christians were unwilling to do. Many died as martyrs with the confession, Jesus is Lord, on their lips. They feared the Lord. They honored him above all. Even when their lives were under threat, shows there are limits to our obedience to the civil authorities. Even though they hold the sword to punish whomever they decide is doing wrong, there are times when Christians cannot submit to them. There can be a temptation to submit to the unlawful dictates of civil rulers because of our fear of man. But God is the supreme ruler. Well, there's a conflict between what he commands and what human authorities require. We must obey God overall. The midwives did this in Egypt when Pharaoh commanded them to kill the Hebrew baby boys. Similarly, doctors today who are required to participate in giving medical assistance to those who choose to die should refuse to take part in any so-called mercy killing. Daniel's three friends were required to bow down before a golden image of the king. They refused even under threat of being cast into the fiery furnace because they knew God forbade them to worship anyone but him. During the COVID-19 restrictions on public worship, consistory and deacons acknowledged that ultimately it is a consistory that has responsibility to call the congregation together for worship. The decision about whether to abide by the health orders was not always easy. We wanted to obey the governing authorities, but not to disobey God in the process. Factors that we considered included how churches were treated in comparison with other public gatherings, and whether there were, as well as the length of time we were restricted from gathering, and whether there were other opportunities for worship. We did not want the name of Christ to come under disrepute in the broader community. We also didn't want to further divide our own congregation. You're all aware of the decisions that were made. Were they the right decisions? God will judge. Although the decisions were made in weakness, they were made prayerfully, and with due consideration of many different viewpoints. If we look more generally at our position as church in an increasingly secular society, we need to be aware that the time may soon come when we're called to disobey governing authorities because of our allegiance to Christ. Our default position should be submit to the governing authorities, for the Lord's sake, because he has appointed them to rule over us. But there's a limit to our obedience, or to obey them in all things which do not disagree with the word of God. Brings us to our final point, the blessings of submission. The opposite of submission is rebellion. We know what happens when people rebel against the authorities that God has put over us. In family life, rebellion against parents often leads to sad circumstances in a child or young person's life. Often they are estranged from their family. Often they face further troubles and sorrows in life. Those who rebel against the governing authorities also face consequences from this. For as God's Word teaches us, the government does not bear the sword in vain. It will use its power to punish evildoers. Yet the opposite is also true. It's important for us to remember that the fifth commandment contains a promise God calls us to honor those in authority over us, that your days may be long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Our governments have been given authority that they may restrain the wickedness of man, that everything among them may be conducted in good order. When the government rightly exercises its God-given authority, its people are blessed. But then the Lord allows us to live quiet and peaceable lives. Then there's room for the church to flourish. This afternoon we've seen that as the redeemed and renewed people of God... We are called to live thankful lives to his glory. As Christians, we have a calling to honor and to respect our governments. We are called to submit and obey any law that does not directly contravene what God has taught in his word. To pay our taxes and pray for our leaders. God has promised his blessing on all who do this. Amen. In response to the gospel message, let's sing together from Psalm 145, stanzas 1 and 5.